We're returning to Paul's letter to the Ephesians in chapter 6. Verse 14 reads, Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. The Roman shield got its name from the root a door. Perhaps in the early days they adapted doors and then improved them for battle. And it was a very vital piece of a Roman soldier's armoury. Even the Apostle says, above all, when he begins to speak about the shield. So it would have been about 1.3 metres high, 0.75 metres wide, sufficient to give the main part of the body protection, but light enough to move to protect yourself from whichever direction missiles were coming from. And uh, when held, it could deflect uh, javelins and stones and any flaming missiles that might be fired at you in the heat of battle. As you saw from some of the pictures, it would often be highly decorated. It would have a central boss in it, and sometimes the back would be strengthened with reinforcement. And the handle would have been made stiff and it would have had curvature so that um, some of the missiles, when it hit it, would glance off. It was designed to be a great piece of armour serving two functions, mainly for protection for whatever would come at you, but also it would give evidence of who you belong to what regiment, what department of the army you belong to, that would be emblazoned on the front. Perhaps a coat of arms, perhaps a symbol, perhaps particular colours. And that would be part of your honour. You would be honoured to belong to that regiment. You would not be ashamed of putting your colours on the front of your shield. There's a story from the Spartan Wars when a mother told her son as he went off to battle, (coughs) carry your shield or be carried back on it. In other words, she was saying to him, take your shield to the battle and keep it up. Don't turn away from the battle. Don't show your back to the enemy. Use your shield to protect yourself and to be safe in enemy territory. And so the Apostle is telling us this morning that our faith, the shield of faith, is both for our eternal protection and a badge of honour that we are privileged to belong to the army of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And our faith is essential for victory in the spiritual battles that we will face throughout life. You remember the passage in 1 John. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. And the Apostle John doesn't mean overcoming the world in the sense of being like Putin, but he means overcoming the world of unbelieving, godless ideas. We overcome the unbelief, the superstition and the falsehood of a world without God by faith. He says, when you take up the shield of faith, you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil ones. In other words, some of the things that the shield would be used to deflect or absorb would be missiles that would come. Projectiles would be wrapped in some flammable material or flammable liquid and then lit just before they were fired. And those fireballs that would come in upon soldiers would cause serious damage and burns to any soldier who'd not kept his shield in the right place. And uh, they would need a shield to defend themselves against these incendiary devices. And uh, there are reports of Roman soldiers coming through battle with uh, missiles and burn holes in their shields. Now Paul is saying that this is like the Christian warfare. He is saying there are fiery darts that come at Christians. They're not physical missiles, they are, they are ideas and thoughts that we hear and we think about that come from the enemy of God and the enemy of humanity. Satan loves to put wrong ideas into us. He loves to put fear into us. You remember how Bunyan... Uh, in his wonderful spiritual insight, pictures Christian living his life faced by Satan, the enemy, who wants to prevent him living in the Christian way, who wants to hinder him from living a life that pleases God. And uh, this is exactly what Satan wants to do. Even the Lord Jesus, when he began his public ministry, one of the first things that happened to him, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be, or the desert, to be tempted by the devil. And it is a reality that temptation comes. Some of the greatest Christians, some of the bravest, boldest Christians, some of the most successful Christians have faced terrible temptations. I wonder if you've heard about Martin Luther. Uh, so frustrated with the thoughts that came coming into his mind when he was studying to speak and to write, that he threw an ink bottle across the room, uh, symbolic of his desire to show his re re uh, resentment to the devil who was putting these thoughts into his mind. And it doesn't matter whether you're a young Christian or a very experienced Christian, you will still find that 
nobody is exempt from temptation. You remember that uh, King David was a great man of God. He began his Christian life, his faith in God, when he was just a boy, when he was a shepherd boy. And all through his ups and downs and challenges, he uh, faced uh, difficulties and stood fast. But when he was established on the throne, we're told, that one day Satan stood up against Israel and moved David to number Israel. So here is David, he's unrivaled as a king. He's greatly honoured by God. Suddenly gets this idea, he wants to know how many fighting men he's got in his country. Didn't need to do that. God was on his side. He didn't need to count heads to prove to himself how powerful he was. Satan put the idea of pride, of trust in his army and in his men instead of trust in his God. And he held a census. Satan moved David to take a census. Instead of letting that thought go through his mind and pass away, he retained that thought. He didn't resist it. He let the flaming arrow of self-sufficiency stay in his thoughts and he acted on it and brought terrible trouble on himself and his people. And when we come to the New Testament, The Lord Jesus is talking about the cross. The Lord Jesus is talking about his passion and his suffering, his arrest and his trial. He's forewarning his disciples. Peter loves the Lord Jesus. He can't bear to think that the Lord Jesus has got to go through this. And he took took Jesus aside. Just him aside like a a kind, kind friend. Let me have a word in your ear. I love you. And he said, (coughs) Never, Lord. This shall never happen to you. He couldn't bear the Lord Jesus going through such pain and agony. What did Jesus say to Peter? Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You do not have, you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. In other words, Jesus' response illustrates that Peter's well-meaning advice was not godly advice. It was God's plan that the Lord Jesus should become the Lamb of God and take away the sin of the world. It was God's plan that the Lord Jesus should be a substitute for sinners and endure hell for them. And Peter's well-meaning thought in trying to deter Jesus from going through his redemptive act was a thought that came from the enemy of God and mankind. And we must be very, very aware that flaming arrows from Satan are the unbelieving thoughts that come into our mind at times. When we perhaps listen to something on the TV or we hear something being said that is clearly not right, but we don't analyse it. 
we accept it and we don't put up the shield of faith we have to beware of flaming arrows but God has given us the shield of faith it's the first line of defence as I said the the word can imply a door the uh, great Puritan William Gurnell uh, once said it's armour for the armour it's therefore the grace that preserves all other graces what does he mean? Well, that's very sententious because he takes about 1,200 pages to explain it. Uh, armour for the armour. In other words, the shield protects your other armour. It protects uh, your, your breastplate. It, it protects your, your legs. It, it's, it, it's a protection for everything. It protects your helmet getting dented or knocked off. It's armour for the armour. And then he says it's grace that preserves all other graces. You see, faith is the foremost thing. Faith, hope and love are the three great things for the Christian life. And the object of faith, of course, is God himself, the Lord Jesus Christ, his Son, and his word as revealed in the Gospel. You see, faith has to have an object. Faith is not a leap in the dark. Faith is not imaginary hope. Faith has something substantial that it can trust. Theologians define faith in three ways. Knowledge, assent and trust. So faith begins as a result of knowledge. To have faith, you've got to know something. You've got to know the Bible. You've got to know about the Lord Jesus. You've got to know about his person and his work before you can believe in him. Consequently, says the Apostle in Romans 10, faith comes through hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word of Christ. Ascent means that we believe what we hear. With our hearts, we agree with the message. With our hearts, we accept the message is true. And where there's trust, we act in a way that shows we trust and rely and depend upon what we have learnt and agreed with. So faith affects our mind and our heart and our decision making that is the shield of faith and the shield of faith is always associated with a consciousness of need you see if a Roman soldier didn't believe he was in danger he wouldn't even dream of taking up a shield with him if we didn't have a sense of our need of Jesus Christ and his word to guide us through life, if we didn't have a sense of our own personal inadequacy and foolishness and sin, we would not want the shield of faith. Faith is where we receive the 
Lord Jesus Christ and all the blessings and benefits that he's pleased to give to us. And the writer goes on to say that it is faith that helps shield us in an evil day. In other words, every soldier has periods when he's not under attack. I don't think I'd ever have made a good cricketer because I wouldn't have liked the times when everybody else was batting and I was sitting in the pavilion. I much prefer football, action all the time. And for a soldier, I'd find it very hard to be a soldier sitting in barracks. Do you see soldiers playing cards and that? Pardon me if you're a soldier. Um, but I, I would have find that I would find that the, the, the times when, when you're not really active, the most difficult times. But then there are times of intense conflict when the adrenaline is flowing and you're rising to the occasion. And that is how it goes with the Christian life. There are times when our lives go along quite smoothly and we're blessed. We're so grateful to God for all his goodness towards us. But then there are times what we can only describe as an evil day when we're challenged by difficult circumstances and temptations, when doubts coming into our mind, we have to deal with what do we believe? How are we going to live? We've got to wrestle with these things. There may be difficult times and and a wave of self-pity comes into us and other times we're really selfish and not thinking about others. Times we can only describe as an evil day. And uh, these evil times may come when uh, the enemy is putting constantly unbelieving thoughts and questions into our minds. He wants to inject thinking into us that makes us defeatable. Sometimes a flaming arrow will come to us when... uh, We are listening to God's word. And he makes us lose our focus. Sometimes we're trying to do something right and we get discouraged or distracted. Sometimes perhaps when we're trying to read our Bibles, just can't focus. Sometimes when we try and pray, we we keep thinking about other things. Minds get all over the place. Sometimes when we believe, when we read God's promises and want to exercise faith in the promises and plead them with God, we just don't trust them as we should do. It's the shield of faith that's the fire extinguisher that puts out these blazing incendiary thoughts that can be so damaging. We counter fears and doubts and unbelief by reminding ourselves of God's word which is the shield of faith there was a man called Walter Walter Marshall he was a Puritan pastor and uh, he as as a young minister really struggled with some bad habits and bad thoughts he confessed them but he did them again and it was, it was such a bother to him he went to one of his fellow pastors 
man named Thomas Goodwin. Some of you know these guys. The older ones know these guys. And uh, he went to Goodwin and he opened up to him about what a struggle he was having. And Goodwin listened to all his confessions about the sins that were troubling him. And Goodwin said, Brother, you've left off your list the worst of all sins. You didn't confess to me the sin of unbelief. The sin of unbelief. And Marshall saw immediately that the root of his problem was a failure to really trust in God's promise that if we confess our sins, he's righteous and just and will forgive us our sins. And there is no condemnation to those who are now in Christ Jesus. Well, the outcome, of course, was that Marshall's life was transformed and he went on to preach a series of sermons on those who are having a battle with these things. It's called the Gospel Mystery of Sanctification. He came to understand that there is a spiritual inner conflict that goes on with God's people. We have to wrestle with situations, with ourselves, and with the things that Satan puts in our minds. We need to be like David in Psalm 13. I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. So, faith shields us in an evil day. But faith, I believe, shields us from particular, specific attacks. Faith is a shield to us when society is saying different things. That's why I read Hebrews 11. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what, was, what is seen was not made out of what is seen. When we live in a society that believes in time and chance magically creating everything, we say, I don't necessarily trust what's certain scientists say they change over time they believe perhaps there are little green men out there who one day came to earth they will come up with all kinds of ideas but I've got something credible and reliable from a God who doesn't deceive or lie and has the well-being of his creation at heart I believe what he says that there's a designer in this creation that there's a structure and an order and that human beings are made in the image of God with spiritual beings, not high monkeys. We take the shield of faith and we hold it up. I believe God, let every man be a liar. Faith shields us when we're tested. Remember Abraham? God changed his name from Abraham to Abraham. It means the father of many. But he didn't have any, let alone many, years went on and on God's promise didn't seem to come to pass during this time God said to him Abraham 
I am thy shield and your exceeding great reward. And he had to wait. But Romans, in his, the Apostle Paul in Romans in his commentary says, Abraham staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he promised he was able to perform. Abraham took the shield of faith. He hung on to that shield of faith when his faith was being made to wait. When what God said wasn't coming to pass as quick as he wanted it to be. And he trusted God's faithfulness. And that deflected Satan's arrows. Suggesting that it was never going to happen. Faith shields us when faithfulness to God is hard. David, the shepherd boy we've already mentioned spent years as a refugee and a fugitive surrounded by enemies enemies in his own kingdom and enemies in the Philistine kingdom and David even said one day one day I'll perish at the hand of Saul David reached a really low point when he just couldn't see how he was going to get out of the difficulties he was in. The doubts were in his mind. But he hung on. He held the shield of faith and he composed a psalm uh, that is recorded for us and he said, My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation. He's my stronghold, my refuge, my saviour. It was hard at that point in David in David's life but he had a shield and the shield that brought him through that very difficult period of his life was holding on to God's promise to make him the heir of the throne when the three boys Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were threatened with the flames what did they say? our God is able to deliver us faith enabled them to stand and trust God and he did when you are being faithful to the Lord and doing things that lead you into difficulty or criticism put up the shield of faith if God be for us who can be against us faith shields us when Satan focuses on our senses you remember Psalm 73 was a story about a man who was puzzled. He was living a life pleasing God and things weren't going well. And he looked around him and he saw people having a great time in life. Everything was going swimmingly well for them. They didn't care a fig about God or his word or the day of judgment. It troubled him. It troubled him. It didn't seem right. And then he remembered. Then he went to God's house. He went into the, what he calls the sanctuary where God's word was read and God's praises were sung. And he said then, he said then, I understood their final destiny. Surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. In other words, 
He suddenly said, I suddenly hadn't, I'd forgotten to factor in the afterlife. I hadn't factored in that there's a judgment to come. And God is going to reckon with everyone. And everyone who's had a great life and ignored God is going to meet him. And all those who have faithfully suffered and self-denied themselves and lived to please God and others, they will get their reward then. Faith shelters when sin looks attractive. Joseph, when he was in prison, had nothing to lose. And when the boss's wife tried to seduce him, Satan surely whispered to him, Nobody will ever know. You'll please her. You'll get away with it. Why not give in? But what did Joseph do? He picked up the shield of faith and he said, My master's withheld nothing from me except you and you're his wife. How can I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? God has forbidden sexual activity outside of marriage. I can't do that. Nobody might know. I might please her, but I will offend my God. He held up the shield of faith. This is the shield of faith that God has given us, relying on his word. So in closing, be ready for the battle. The soldiers would oil down their shields, ready for battle, to make sure that they were slippery if a missile uh, touched them. And we must need to be people who are ready for battle, walking with God, committing our life to him each day, asking for his presence and his help to be with us, whether we're at school or at home or at work or retired. And we must be prepared. Others say that the Romans used to pour water on their shields so that if anything did hit them that was a light, the water would extinguish that. And we've got to continually apply God's word to the situations we are in life so that we know what to do, how to stand, and how to be protected in the evil hour that comes. And then finally, did you notice when we showed you the pictures of the battalions that had all come together? So there was no gaps between the shield in the front of them and no gaps between the shields above them. What were they doing? They were closing ranks. They were standing together. They used to call it the Tusudu, a tortoise formation which gave a wall around them. The book of Ecclesiastes says, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. What's he saying to us? The shield of faith means that we come together. We help each other in our faith. It strengthens our faith. We believe in the local church. We believe in commitment to the local church Jesus Christ calls us to that if we love him we love his family and though there's diversity in his family we want to belong and that's our protection faith in the directives of God's word and faith grows and is strengthened as we help one another 
in the spiritual battles we're going to face. Take the shield of faith whereby we can quench all the fiery darts 